Luke chapter 22. This is truly one of my most cherished weekends of the year. My father installed or instilled in me the appreciation for remembering those who gave their lives for my freedom. We often even centered our family vacations around revolutionary and Civil War battlefields as well as World War I and II, Korean and Vietnam aircraft and battleships, museums and remembrance memorials. Memorial Day was born from tragedy, one author says. The loss of some 620,000 men and boys dying in the ashes of the American Civil War. The incredibly painful experience of the nation's loss on such a massive scale, causing the Veterans Association at that time to provide a practical means for the families and survivors to mourn and to honor their loved ones and, and their family members. The holiday was originally called, as many of you know, Decoration Day. The meeting was so survivors would have a way of honoring the Union soldiers who gave their lives that the United States would survive as a nation. Memorial Day rests upon that original foundation and continued to represent the day to remember the sacrifice of those who gave their lives in service to their country on some distant and even foreign battlefields. It is highly likely that Abraham Lincoln, as a living witness to such horribly divisive and destructive war, felt compelled to offer perspective to Americans on the conflict, to reflect on the supreme sacrifice of so many, to pen the famous Gettysburg Address in the middle of the horrendous war, the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln expressed such a perspective in his sentiments when he honored the soldiers who fought and died at Gettysburg by saying the world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. He continued by saying it is for us the living rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they fought Here have thus for so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. Yes, Memorial Day for many of us has been a dichotomy in reality. We celebrate the barbecues, family gatherings, long weekends, which may provide a micro vacation, or just getting a, a few more things done around the house, but yet we are compelled to remember the reason why we can enjoy these things is because so many have died so that we might live like free people should. We must remember while we enjoy. I pray you all enjoy and embrace remembrance 
unto a necessary balance. Remembering is an essential discipline of living. Remembering is an essential discipline of living. Remembering is more than mere reflection. It's deeper. It's broader. Our Lord remembers in Scripture, and he asks us to do the same. And this is where we will invest the remainder of our time before we partake of the Lord's Supper together this morning. Psalm 105 teaches us that our Lord remembers his covenants forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. One of those covenants in which our Lord remembers is the Noahic covenant. Genesis chapter 9 verses 14 to 16, the author writes, It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that a bow will be seen in the cloud. And the Lord says, I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. And when the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of flesh that is on the earth. The Lord remembered his covenant to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 19 and verse 29, Moses writes, Thus it came about when God destroyed the cities of the valley that was Sodom and Gomorrah, that God remembered Abraham, and he sent out Lot out of the midst of the overflow, and when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. Exodus chapter 2 is another example of God faithfully remembering. Moses writes there, Now it came about on the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage and they cried out and their crying for help because of their bondage rose up to God. So God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and God saw the sons of Israel and God took notice of them. The Lord remembered his own promises and the Lord cannot turn his face from his own promises. We're reminded by the prophet Isaiah that it is in part God's nature to remember what he promises. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 15 and 16, the prophet writes, Can a woman forget her nursing child and, and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget. But the Lord says, I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you in the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. There remain so many other Bible passages to meditate upon that remind us that the Lord is faithful to his promises and he remembers to keep them and to keep them all. But today, I would ask you to join me in remembrance. Our text in Luke 22 draws our eyes to verse 14 to 23. And I'd like Pastor Hickson to come on up and read these verses for us as we continue this morning. 
verses 14 to 23. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of one betraying me is with mine on the table. For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be who was going to do this thing. This do in remembrance of me. This passage describes just a part of Christ's last week on earth. He's come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. For those who may not know, this Jewish celebration was a time for the nation to intentionally recall and be grateful for their release from the bondage of Egyptian slavery. Remember, the Jewish families were to place the blood of a lamb upon the doorposts of their homes the night that the angels swept through, causing the death of the firstborn son in every home in that empire. When the angel saw the blood of the doorposts, he would pass over that home, knowing that this family was God's. The king of Egypt the king of the nation that held God's people captive, lost his firstborn son that night. This was the final event which compelled him to release the people of God to their freedom. In time, the Lord commanded the Jewish people to celebrate the Passover and to always remember their release from their bondage of slavery in Egypt. Faithful Jews with thankful hearts of remembrance, did just that for centuries of time. It was the blood of the lamb on the doorpost that caused the angel to pass over their home and eventually grant them the release from bondage. It is no mistake then that Jesus enters Jerusalem on the final week of his life on earth during Passover. The Old Testament told the Jewish people that there would become a lamb whose blood would be shed for the sin of mankind and need to be appropriated to the doorposts of their hearts so that they too would be released from spiritual death. Well, the Lamb of God had come now, and he was Jesus. Within the week of his final entry, Jesus would become that Lamb of God, as John says in chapter 1, who came to take away the sin of the world by his gruesome death and the cross of Calvary. The final Passover formally celebrated by a believing remnant of Jews would be rich in spiritual remembrance, anticipation, and agony. For now, those who truly believed in Jesus would be eyewitnesses of the Lamb being slaughtered for their sin once and for all time. 
So Jesus was eager, as the text said that Pastor Mike read, to celebrate this Passover supper with his people. He was eager to obey what God had commanded him to do, which was to remember release from Egyptian bondage. He was in Jerusalem for this purpose. He was in need of the fellowship of the believing Jew as human encouragement for what he was about to face on the cross. He was eager to do the will of God for which he was sent from heaven to do. But there's never always joy, or there's always agony, joy in the agony of sacrifice, but the fruits of sacrifice will always remain. If we could have joined Jesus and his disciples at Passover that evening, they reclined around the table, it would have looked something like this. The traditional Passover, one historian teaches us, began with a thanksgiving which was followed by the first cup of the vine being passed among those present. They then ate some bread dipped in bitter herbs and sang Psalm 113 and Psalm 114 and drank the second cup of wine. This drinking of the third cup then there was the singing of Psalm 115, Psalm 116, 17, and 18. The feast ended with the drinking of the fourth cup. And this is represented in verse 17 of Luke 22 that Pastor Hickson read. It was then that Jesus gave new meaning to the bread and to the cup as instituted in the Lord's Supper, as we will read when we partake from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. The Passover feast looked back to Israel's deliverance from Egypt, while the Lord's Supper looks back to Christ's death on the cross and ahead to his coming again. Jesus saw a future fulfillment of the feast when his people would be gathered together again in his glorious kingdom. Jesus is the Passover lamb who died not only for the sins of a nation, but for the sins of the whole world. Both the Passover and the Lord's Supper were demonstrations of this. New Testament believers are commanded by the Lamb of God to remember him and what he's come to do. He is exclusively the Lamb of God. He is the exalted one of God that took on the form of a man to live unto obedience even to the death of the cross for your sin and for mine. His shed blood on the cross for you and me. If you will repent from your sin and realize the purpose for his sacrifice is to grant you freedom Freedom from the bondage of your sin and captivity to death. Our precious Savior is far above being worth remembering. He must be remembered. Above all human sacrifice for freedom, he must be remembered. As creator and captain of our souls, he will forever exclusively remain the God-man who grants spiritual life a transformed heart, the power 
to living a godly life. And maybe today, the reality of eternal life for us all. Will you remember him with me today? Will you remember him with me every day? Uh, not long ago, I had the opportunity to be in Germany and visit uh, a Nazi concentration camp. While driving down through the long winding entrance to where all the atrocities occurred, I asked my German tour guide this question. I said, so in, in our country, many are trying to remove the memory of some of our nation's darkest moments, particularly in the South where slave slavery in the 19th century reigned and then was abolished. I went on to ask, why do the German people covenant together to let these camps remain? Why haven't they removed them? He went on to explain that immediately after the war, German people sought to clean up and clean out all the camps, tear down the walls, tear down the structures, and go on pretending like they never happened because they were embarrassed of what their country had done. But reporters from the U.S. embedded with American military went to these camps right at the end of the war and they took pictures of bodies piled high waiting to be incinerated and developed their photos of the sickly who remained and were alive. He said if it wasn't for the U.S. reporters, there would be no memory of the camps today. What he explained next to me was life-changing. The German language has two words for memorial. One means to think about and to ponder with gratitude. The other means to warn and inform of something so it never happens again. Only one letter in the German language separates the meaning of the two, but how important that letter is. The German concentration camps are memorials of warning, he taught me. So if you don't remember your history, you're probably bound to repeat it. So this do in remembrance of me for us who know Christ is a warm and assuring practice. For those who don't know him, it is a warning indeed. It is good to remember. God remembers his promises to his own. He asks his own to remember their history so they don't repeat it. And the Lord Jesus asks us to remember his sacrifice on the cross for our sin. So as we rightly remember those who have fallen for our national freedom, let us now and forever remember the captain of our souls who provided for us spiritual and eternal freedom by the shedding of his own blood on the cross. We all know that freedom's never free. It cost God the Father and his Son the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, the father had turned his gaze from his own son because of our sin that was upon him. And when God turned his back on his son 
And the son saw the back of his father's head for the first time. What agony of soul for both. But as we remember the son and what he endured for us in our sin, we will forever be grateful that in Christ we shall never see the back of our heavenly father's head. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection was the only and final payment for sin and declaration of divine power over the influence of sin. In Christ, we have won an eternal spiritual war, and Jesus will forever be our Passover. In him, and only him, God has taken away the sting of death and has given us eternal life. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, with grateful hearts, we remember this morning the captain of our souls who gave his life so that we might live forever. And not only live forever, Lord, but enjoy life more abundant and free. You've won the war. You've won the war in Jesus Christ, the battle for our souls. And this morning, we're thankful that we can conclude this service with remembrance of that sacrifice. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Ask the elders, pastors to come forward at this time. And as our instrumentalist begins to play, I want you to remember this. If you're here this morning and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're commanded to remember. But you need to do so with a heart that's right with the Lord. As the elements are being passed, if there's any, any sin that has altered your relationship with the Father, in Christ's name, ask for forgiveness and be restored to fellowship. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus, I would ask you to take your Bible or take your device and Google John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, and read that chapter and refrain from taking the elements while they're being passed. And as you find that text, before you begin to read, ask the Lord to open up your mind, your eye, your spiritual eyes, and your spiritual heart to understand who Jesus is and why he came. So let's meditate and worship together.
Apostle Paul, as we stated earlier, uh, wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, for I received of the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you for offering up your body for us. We thank you, Lord, also for the symbol of that violent death, the cup that we are about to partake of and its symbolism of the violence of that death. Certainly, Lord, there was no more grievous, ugly slaughter of a human being in any war than the slaughter in which your son incurred for us on Calvary. We thank you for laying upon him our iniquity that in him we might become your righteousness. For without the shedding of blood there is no taking away of sin. In Christ's name. Amen.
Paul continues by saying in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 25, in like manner also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you publicly proclaim really the sufficiency of the Lord's death on your behalf until he comes. Let's stand and thank the Lord together by singing the doxology and just following this brief singing of this hymn. We'll have a special number in song and then Pastor Mike will lead us in a concluding hymn and we'll be dismissed. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy